what we know about the body is that everything is connected, right? And so the same thing goes for the different dimensions or aspects of self. So anything that we do in the mental, emotional, spiritual realm trickles down and affects the physical body. I am Cheryl Witten, and this is The Aromatherapist, where we discover the superpower of plants. Have you ever been curious about aromatherapy and did a simple internet search, landed on a result and thought, that can't be right? The sad truth is most of the information out there about aromatherapy is not correct. It's my mission to change that. Join me in my new course, The Science of Aromatherapy, and learn about the science and chemistry of essential oils, drug interactions, safety considerations, contraindications, and botanical profiles of the 10 most popular essential oils. Visit livelovelemon.com forward slash science course to enroll. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. My guest today is Dr. Taylor Pagano, who is a naturopathic doctor and holistic coach who specializes in healing anxiety. She graduated the University of North Carolina with an undergraduate degree in biology and psychology, and then she attended the Southwest College of Naturopathic Medicine in Tempe, Arizona, where she obtained her doctorate. There, she studied a number of modalities, including biotherapeutic drainage, nutrition, botanical medicine, homeopathy, Chinese medicine and acupuncture, gemstone, energy medicine, hydrotherapy, and more. Dr. Pagano is also trained in craniosacral therapy and Reiki. So today we really dive into Dr. Taylor's specific approach, and she really takes a psycho-spiritual approach to healing anxiety. So her methodology takes people through the developmental stages of their organ systems to heal imbalances, but also to reprogram the subconscious mind based on teachings of bioregulatory medicine. So the first stage begins with adrenal glands, which are really related to themes of safety, security, and fear. And so much of Dr. Taylor's work is around looking at the impacts of our environment that we were raised in and of our childhood, especially those from years zero to two. And she connects some of those different stages of organ development through different themes that present for us and that are really prevalent at those times and stages of childhood development. And to heal this, she takes naturopathic medicine along with a variety of holistic practices and therapies to look at the root cause and reprogram that so that we can now, as an as our adult self, walk through the world with healed systems, reprogrammed beliefs, so that we're not so anxious. So I love this because this is a root cause approach. This is about looking at all of the pieces, all of the pieces of ourselves, our emotional selves, physical selves, our spiritual selves, our psychological selves, because we are all of those things. And so without further ado, Dr. Taylor Pagano. Hi, Taylor. Welcome to the show. It's lovely to have you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. So before we dive in, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're from and uh, maybe how you found and began to work in natural health? Sure. Yeah. So I am originally from Boise, Idaho, 
And I moved around a lot growing up. And then for my education and work, I've, you know, kind of lived in a number of different states and just found myself moving back to Boise just a couple months ago. So I've, I've come full circle. And my introduction, I'll say to natural health and how this path kind of began for me was from a visit to my aunt's house in the mountains of Colorado. She lives in a small mountain town called Gold Hill, just above Boulder. And really, I was probably 12 the first time I went there. And it was my first introduction to what I'll call an alternative lifestyle, one that was different than the one I was living, you know, being brought up standard American diet, you know, typical, typical American lifestyle. And she was living in the wilderness surrounded by nature. And she's a yogi does teaches yoga. And you know, she had crystals all around her house. We saw wildlife walking around the land. She has a medicine wheel on her land. So it was really an introduction into this whole, whole nother world and understanding of, you know, and opening to another way of being in the world. And so that was kind of my introduction, although I didn't know it at the time, I was only 12, but I knew that it resonated with me and I wanted to keep going back to visit her. And so over time I did, and I eventually ended up, you know, I had digestive issues and skin issues and eventually ended up changing my diet and realized how that affected my own health and wellness. And then in my undergraduate studies, studying anatomy and physiology, I was fascinated by the body. And then just in my own, you know, self-education and and interest in wellness and this, you know, nutrition and lifestyle and all of these things, I found naturopathic medicine online and I was like, oh, well, that's exactly what I want to do. You know, I never really wanted to be a doctor, but when I found it, I was like, hey, this is this like, this is the understanding of everything I've come to know at this point. And so I just felt called to it, so to speak. Wow. It sounds like an amazing place that your aunt has. I want to go there. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely one of my happy places. No kidding. Oh, it sounds like perfect place for me too. So we're going to talk about anxiety today. And I'm really interested in your approach to healing anxiety. And you take a really unique quantum healing approach that involves bioregulatory medicine. So I've spoken to a few people about this and bioregulatory medicine. So I understand it to be a kind of umbrella term for forms of natural healing that restore dysregulation in the systems in the body that allow it to come back to homeostasis and its self-healing capacity. So is that correct? Is that how you would describe this form of medicine? Absolutely. Yeah, you got it spot on. So really bioregulatory medicine is all about homeostasis and balance. And so, you know, it can it can come in the form of different disciplines. So we can think about naturopathic medicine, homeopathy, Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, all of these different disciplines are kind of under the umbrella of bioregulatory. And really at the root of it is this understanding that the body is self-healing and self-regulating and has that intelligence and capacity to heal itself. And so anything that we do, looking at the dysregulation, understanding which organ systems are most out of balance? And what are the supportive elements that are going to be most helpful in that return to homeostasis or balance? So the traditional view of anxiety disorders is that they're sort of persistent and excessive forms of worry and like a response to stress. But we know it's actually much more than that. And the cause is greater than just stress. So your approach really involves the body, mind, and spirit in a very specific way. So can you expand on the reason in your view for anxiety? Yeah. 
So this is a great question. And, you know, if I, from, from one, one perspective or, or viewpoint of this question, the reason for anxiety is going to be as unique as the person in front of me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this is where individualized care is so important is, you know, I could see five different clients with anxiety and they may have a totally different experience of that, that anxiety in their body, in their environment. And there may be a different reason, so to speak, or cause for that. And they may need a different treatment or support, you know, different types of support. And so that's one viewpoint of, of, you know, the individualized nature or reason for our experience, whether it be anxiety or really anything that's showing up, right? And then from another greater perspective, really, what I see is anxiety is pretty pervasive, especially right now in the world. We're kind of in this collective soup of, of unease and chaos, so to speak, this year, especially 2020 with everything going on. And so from this standpoint of understanding that, you know, there's a, a greater collective collective that we're all a part of and being that a lot of the clients I see are empathic and highly sensitive or intuitive, they have a greater capacity to sense and feel these aspects that are, you know, happening not only for themselves, but for the people, you know, people closest to them and from a greater context, the collective. And so some of this comes down to being able to discern what is our own and what is everyone else's, right? From an emotional context of of what we sense and feel anxiety wise. And then even deeper than that too is is looking back into seeing like where did this this balance start. And so my approach really looking back into the childhood during different phases of maturation and growth of the organ systems, the endocrine system and the nervous system, right? So this kind of field of study, the endocrine system, the nervous system and the immune system, they're all developing, maturing simultaneously in parallel, right? And so this is the study of psychoneuroimmunology now that we understand that, you know, our psychology and mental processes are impacting our hormones in our immune system and vice versa. All of this is bi-directional. So in looking back at childhood and different phases of development, we can get a sense of, you know, what was going on at the time when, you know, certain endocrine glands or organ systems or parts of the brain were developing? And can we get a sense of certain stresses or traumas or dramas that that occurred that may have disrupted a normal maturation process for these systems in the body? And can we go back in and reconcile those? Mm-hmm. I love this so much. It's such a, I'm so obsessed with this PNI field, the psychoneuroimmunology. I just, because it's something that- oh, great. <laughs> Yeah, I am. It's just something that we haven't, well, it's a fairly new understanding, but we just really haven't put that together, I don't think, in mainstream medicine. I mean, we have it in pieces. You know, we know that adverse childhood experiences or events greatly impact and create this risk for, and we're going to talk about this in a minute, but we'll create this risk for stress and and psychiatric disorder and even physical disease down the road. But we just, we haven't kind of like at the tip of the iceberg on it. We just haven't quite got all the way into this one. Can we work through some of those stages of organ system development? And then can you sort of tie in those mental and emotional spiritual aspects for me? So what are those stages and like, how do we, how do we see them develop in relation to anxiety? Absolutely. So with anxiety, my approach is really like this understanding of development starting starts with the adrenal glands and the kidneys 
And what's developing in the brain at the same time is the survival brain. So there's this triune theory of the brain from Paul McLean that says we have three brains within our one brain, like over evolution, we have developed slowly and we contain three within one. So the first brain to develop is the survival brain. And this is our autonomic nervous system, fight, flight, freeze response, right? So this is all about safety, survival. And then what comes on online is the emotional brain. And then lastly is the neocortex and this logical thinking, reasoning mind that we know of. And so really with anxiety, where this stems from is we go back to the first phase of development, which is the adrenals, the kidneys, and that survival brain piece. So from the context, when I when I say the mental, emotional, and spiritual aspects, what I really mean is this understanding that all aspects of the self, all dimensions of the self from the most subtle, we can say the spiritual energetics to the mental body, the emotional body and the physical body, right? How are we stimulating each of those based on what is happening during that time? So a lot of this approach is looking at, you know, what the organs and brain were doing at that time and utilizing different vibrational therapies like elements like sound, music, right? There are different notes that resonate with, let's say, the root chakra. And this is kind of our bridge to the spirit, right? Mm -hmm. To to the spirit realm is the the wheels of energy or the energy centers of the body known as the chakras. And so the root chakra is developing during this time. And so there are, are key notes, like the note of C is for the root chakra. So we may use a vibrational sound therapy to support that energetic nature. And we might use different scents and lights and colors to stimulate these aspects vibrationally because when we think about the development of the this phase is from the age of zero to two years old which is pre-verbal and so our memories are mostly stemming connected to our other senses of sight and smell and hearing right sound and so we use these types of vibrational therapies to elicit a response in the body and reprogram that the mind in that way. And so a mental component might be something like a journal exercise. Really, a lot of this is about self-discovery and understanding where did this come from? What am I anxious about? What am I afraid of? And then, you know, utilizing these other vibrational therapies and stimuli. And a lot of times what ends up happening is people have dreams. And they remember in their dream state of like maybe something that happened or or little insights, even daydreams, little visions that just come through of like remembering by stimulating these different senses in this way. I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, it did. And after this adrenals development, that's your organ system development, what comes next? Everything is so interconnected, right? And the adrenals filters in with so many other organs. So what comes next after that? Yes. Great question. So adrenals are first, and that's kind of where we begin. And especially with anxiety, just with this relation to, you know, root chakra, safety, security, fear, all of that kind of stemming into this experience of anxiety. But then we move into the thyroid. And so the thyroid is the next gland to develop along with the gastrointestinal system. Mm -hmm. And so that's from about two to seven. And then we move into the respiratory system. And once the respiratory system is, is fully developed, we have kind of what we call an mature immune system at this point. And this is from around seven to puberty, or we can say 11, 12-ish. And then we move into the endocrine system, which is next, which is our reproductive system, the ovary and testes being the primary endocrine glands at this phase. And this is puberty. And this is, you know, the phase of puberty. And then we move to the cardiovascular system. 
and different brain parts are developing at this time, particularly the thalamus. And we can think about the pituitary in the previous stage. I didn't say that, but the, you know, mm -hmm. with the ovary and test, the pituitary coming online, the cardiovascular system. And then last but not least, our nervous system is not fully mature until about 28. So anywhere from 22 to 28. So this is a lot of our, you know, first almost three decades of life that we're continuing to have this maturing of our organ systems. And so we can see, you know, in any kind of chronic illness or, you know, specifically anxiety, we can see different things happening during these different phases may impact us differently, different parts of the body, different systems of the body and different parts of the brain. So just to be clear, you are saying, obviously these all work, but you're saying they just mature at different stages. Because clearly your puberty, you're not, you know, it's all there, but you don't go through that till you're 13, you know, relatively around there, right? That's what you're saying? Absolutely. Yes. So we are born and we come into the world with all of our parts, right? This isn't to say that, you know, the organs, the organs aren't there already, but this maturation process and in, in becoming fully mature is both physical and energetic. Right. And so it takes, it's a longer process. Yes. Okay. And so that adrenal stage, that very first one, is that really the key piece? Because so much is happening also in the brain, like in developing through zero to two that, you know, setting up sort of that structure. And then that so much physical need for that, like you said, safety and security. So is that really the key piece, the key stage with the anxiety piece? Yes, absolutely. You got it exactly right. So during this phase of development, the brain is primarily in delta waves. And in, you know, early in life, really that <laughs> slow brain waves are basically just downloading what's happening around us and in our environment. And during this early phase, you know, from infant, you know, zero to, to 18 months, we are, we're dependent on our caretakers, on our parents, um, whoever that may be for our survival. And so in this early stage, we learned that love is directly connected to safety and survival. And so we also learn how we express ourselves and what behaviors keep love and attachment or distance it, right? And so we learn to, you know, not express all parts of ourselves, And then this can create imbalances in, you know, our sense of trust and authenticity and what we're able to express that is true to ourselves. And so a lot of imbalances can show up just, you know, that we wouldn't necessarily think of in relation to, you know, I'm relating it to adrenals and kidney dysfunction, right? But but really this idea, this is the more spiritual essence of it or, you know, psyche of it, that this programming of the brain, of these sub subconscious patterns and, you know, maybe conditioned beliefs, we can call it, that's set up during this time because anything that we witness and experience is just downloaded right in as true, right? And so yeah. it can be a simple misunderstanding that happens in this, you know, what what keeps me alive is, you know, to to not express all parts of myself is mm -hmm. a simple misunderstanding that can happen and, and lead to, you know, inauthenticity later in life. And that expression being, you know, really anxiety provoking when we have to kind of, you know, show up in a way that isn't totally true to ourselves. Right. Just is like triggering it again and, you know, promoting fear. <laughs> or it's like a, a, mm -hmm. a remembered state of like what to do. Yeah. Yep. And so that all filters down then into the next stage, 
right? You take your, you take that one thing and you have an imbalance mm-hmm. from zero to two, then that goes on to your, your thyroid and your, what'd you say? The gastrointestinal Bad. system, right? Yeah, exactly. It's basically like a domino effect. And so we're, when we have a kink in the chain, it's going to affect the rest of the chain, right? So each phase affects the next phase. And so if we have an imbalance or a block that happens in this first phase, every other phase after that is, is affected. Okay. And so this, that sort of answers my question. I was going to ask, is it possible to have one area that's more severely affected than the other, than another? So for example, like someone who has thyroid disease that contributes to anxiety, should I focus on the thyroid first or do, should I just go all the way back to the beginning and then work through those phases? Like as we do some healing practices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This, this is a really good question because, you know, with thyroid imbalance, oftentimes we think of it being related to, to the adrenals and the adrenals can be a cause of thyroid imbalance, right? Just generally speaking. But then when we think of even, even deeper, these layers of, of maturation of these glands and organ systems and this domino effect, the adrenals are going to affect the thyroid. So not just only from the standpoint of stress and cortisol impacting thyroid, you know, regulation and function. It's even deeper than that in these phases of maturation. And so that's not to say that we might not do it simultaneously, that the, the imbalance in the thyroid may need stability and treatment, but we can also work on these underlying adrenal concerns at the same time. So it's really dependent upon, you know, what's happening for the individual and, and maybe that thyroid needs some supportive stability. But when we address this adrenal piece, what ends up happening is that, you know, that thyroid comes back into greater balance and maybe we don't need as much support as what, whatever we were doing for the thyroid specifically. Right. Okay. And so you, you spoke briefly about some of the spiritual elements and the, some of the emotional practices that you would incorporate, like the sound and the light and the, mm-hmm. the journaling. So part of your approach is to support the, the organ systems like physically as well, right? So are you doing that with like herbs and vitamins? Like how are you, what is, what does the whole approach look like? Yeah. So, you know, what we know about the body is that everything is connected, right? And so the same thing goes for the different dimensions or aspects of self. So anything that we do in the mental, emotional, spiritual realm trickles down and affects the physical body and vice versa. So anything we do in the physical body is going to benefit those those more subtle layers of being too. And so from a holistic perspective, we have to, to work on all aspects. And so yes, we can utilize different nutrients and herbs and and those types of of supportive elements, I would say that my focus is not to put the, when utilizing these substances, one thing is like, that is not what is doing the healing. And so that is my number one thing is like the healing is coming from your body. Anything that we give it is a stimulus, right? And the healing is, is the body's response to that stimulus. And so, yes, for a period of time, we may need some physical supportive elements for these organ systems. But what's more exciting to me is the empowerment that comes when people can make a shift in perception in their belief systems or, you know, have a little bit greater emotional regulation from understanding themselves and doing some of these dynamic therapies that 
change the physical body just by simply doing, you know, working with their inner worlds. And so I think there's so much empowerment that comes from from not putting the power outside of us, you know, an herb or a pharmaceutical or something like that. And that doesn't mean that they're not necessary sometimes, right? But but really my emphasis is if we use something like that, the power is always coming from inside you, right? The healing is always done by your body and it's never something that we do forever or that's going to you're going to be dependent upon this thing. Right. And that's I love that because they're just tools to help the body. Exactly. And, and your body has the power to heal itself. I think that's such an important message that we're just missing. A lot of us are missing. I know it's taken me a long time to even figure that out for myself too. Mm. So you talked about changing your beliefs. So how do you how do you go about this? Because if that's something that you learned from zero to two, that is pretty set in there. How do we reprogram that? And are you are you talking about like psychotherapy or you know, looking at like shadow work, or are we talking about hypnosis for like mm-hmm. reprogramming or meditation or, or what do what you, what do you mainly work with? Yeah, I love this. I love this question because, you know, when, when I first like started to understand the subconscious mind, I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to take so much work. Right. <laughs> and it's going to be so hard to change that. You know, that's so set in there. Like, how am I going to get to that? But really, like, I think what I want to offer is that it doesn't have to be so, so like, we have to do it. Mm-hmm. But like, we can can be a little more gentle with it. And in the idea that utilizing different supportive therapies and learning to trust ourselves and knowing that our, our awareness alone can begin to shift these patterns. And just this process of, you know, simple journal prompts of understanding what are my thoughts and beliefs around this? What am I actually afraid of? And what are these things that, you know, continue to show up in our life? I love using life as medicine. And so when we take this approach, we're also using intention. And so knowing that we're diving into these processes and we're focused on this, this time frame of life of zero to two, like our intention to do that starts to shift things right? And then different things show up in our life and they give us information. So our life becomes our medicine and it's like a tool. It's like a teaching tool. Something shows up and you're like, Ooh, I feel a little triggered by that. What is that? And then we might have a journal prompt or a discussion around that and and a little more in-depth understanding of like, where, where did that come from? And what is this response? And, you know, is this true for me still? Mm-hmm. And just that simple understanding, that awareness, that intention, some self-discovery processes. And then kind of like I said before, we're bringing in these elements to stimulate the more subtle layers and levels, doing different meditations or breath work or visualizations I utilize to get the brain into that that place of slower brain waves. Because when we're in anxiety, the brain is all incoherent and we can't focus for, you know, mm-hmm. for anything. Can't focus, right? hard to get to that space of like, you know, self-regulation when we're in anxiety. And so utilizing different tools to get to a more coherent brain, brainwave place, a slower brain state where we have the ability for, for that change to actually happen. So utilizing those different elements, doing the, the process of self-discovery and this 
I find it very useful when we kind of incorporate all all of these aspects together. We're we're not kind of like bopping around doing one and it's not really effective or, you know, trying something else and it's not really effective. But when we kind of are doing all of them at the same time, these things really start to shift. And really that awareness is is one of the biggest parts I find. Yeah. That like holistic look at it too. Not to be just singular and everything all the time, but it really is a whole, whole perspective on everything. So for someone who's totally overwhelmed by their anxiety, like there's just no reprieve from it. What do you say the first thing to do is? Mm -hmm. So being completely overcome and overwhelmed, my first thing is start a grounding practice Mm -hmm. and activate your senses. These are things getting out into nature and activating your senses is something that's going to bring you into the moment. We're not going to be lost in thought. We're not going to be somewhere forward. We're not going to be somewhere in the past. We're going to be here. And so putting our bare feet on the earth, going out into nature, connecting with the earth, activating our senses, right? We can see color. We can feel the cool air on our face, or we can feel the wet grass on our feet. We can smell, you know, whatever plants are are around or, you know, something. We're going to have some kind of smell, right? We can activate these senses and really bring ourselves into the here and now. When we're, when we're present and when we connect with nature, nature to me is something that just reflects back truth. And, you know, I think in our, in our culture and society where everything is so externalized, when we can come back to ourselves and we have that reflection of like, what is actually true? What is real? What is here in my heart? What's true for me? That reflection brings us mm-hmm. like, I just, I've, I find it super grounding and, and supportive for just really beginning to come out of that whirlwind wind of the mind of anxiety and overwhelm. And really like over a lot of it comes from overstimulus. And so, so nature really recalibrates our nervous system in a way to combat that. And as a clinical aromatherapist, nature, especially if you're somewhere where there are trees, you're inhaling essential oils, which directly affect your brain. And so you're going to be getting some like actual shift in your, what's happening within your brain, but also in your nervous system and just calming down. Nature is very powerful for that. I love it. I just want to go back to this childhood, adverse childhood Mm -hmm. event for a moment. So we already know in research that these events, any adverse childhood events, which can be anything from experiencing divorce in the family to, you know, very severe things like, you know, alcoholism and abuse and incarceration, those kind of things play a, a role in developing anxiety disorders. And traditional medicine is sort of broaching that subject that something greater might be happening. Finally, as I said, um, we, we seem to really s- getting this, that there's something more happening, right? But it's r- still largely symptom related and drug r- related, which is not always a bad thing if that's needed in the time. But there's still this view that even therapy should only focus on specific anxieties that are presenting instead of healing the experience that created that dysregulation to begin with. So what happens in your opinion, if we only concentrate on that physical manifestation of symptoms and don't move into these deeper spiritual and emotional roots that you've been talking to us about, what will happen over time if we don't look at that? Mm -hmm. Pretty much what happens when, when we 
we just address kind of what's at the surface or we put a kind of band-aid, so to speak, on a symptom, right? And it gets better for a period of time. What ends up happening if we don't really get to those roots is it's going to just kind of trickle up and pop up somewhere else in in some other way, fashion. It's still going to show up in our experience, maybe as physical, other physical symptoms. And it's kind of like, I think of it like whack-a-mole. It's like something trickles up and we treat it. It's like, bopping around and then it's going to come up and we got to get it somewhere else. We got to get it somewhere else, right? We're going to be constantly chasing this thing around if we don't actually heal the roots is, you know, kind of, kind of my perspective. And that's not to say, like you said, um, there's a time and place for medication and bringing about a, a sense of stability to the system. They're really good at that for a period of time, but it's just like, you know, if you broke your arm and you needed a cast while your, while your bone was healing, you wouldn't wear the cast for the rest of your life. You would take it off when the bone was healed. And so just like this is like, if we need a a medication for a period of time while we're working on these underlying, you know, underlying roots of, of what's showing up, then we can take the cast off. Then we can take the medication away and, and maintain that level of wellness without being re-triggered or it popping up or showing up somewhere else in some other fashion. Yeah. And I think, what I've learned in the last few years is like the body does not forget people's health, that these are connected to things that have happened in your lifetime. It's so true. You know, our mind can kind of trick us and we repress things and we, you know, quote unquote, forget, but the body really doesn't. It, it ends up being stored somewhere. Yeah, exactly. And so I want to go back to the parents being a parent for a minute because, you know, we can be good parents and we can really do the best for our kids and we're still going to end up messing something up because we can't control how our children are going to interpret what we're doing, right? So we can really have the best intentions and still they're still going still to need to process some things as they get older. But beyond being good parents, what do you want to see parents doing during these different organ system stages? And maybe something that's extra that we're, we're not really aware of that we should do to support our children's psycho-spiritual development. Hmm. This is such a good question. And, you know, none of us get through childhood unscathed, even the most, you know, Pollyanna, perfect childhood, right? There's this perceptive element that, you know, anything can be perceived or misunderstood, right? And can become a a stressful experience for a kiddo, you know, that age that doesn't understand what's happening, right? And so I think, you know, for parents, I have so much respect for parents. And I just want to remind you just to be gentle with yourself. Cause I think, you know, what I see, I, my, my younger sister actually just had a baby two days ago. Um, yeah. And so I, you know, been thinking about this just because she's been asking me so many questions recently. And I think one of the, the, the best things that you can do is as a parent is give yourself grace because there are going to be these things and understanding that, you know, difficulty and, and some of these things that, that show up are in service to, to the kid to, to learn and grow and experience and evolve. Right. And so trusting that, and, you know, it's, it's being a good parent, but also allowing your kid to have their own experience and not be too, I imagine them like a seed, right? And we just want to let them blossom and bloom and not kind of put them in into boxes and, and, ex, and expectations, but allowing them to 
grow and expand and experience the world. Like, I'm going to say the same thing because I think it's so important. You know, you said, what's the best thing someone in overwhelm or anxiety can start with? I'm going to say the same thing for kids. Get kids into nature, get them playing in the dirt. And I think one of the most important things too is just knowing how important the development of their young brains and keeping them in the imaginal world, right? Like not shutting down their imagination with screen time. Mm. Right. Like I think the screens have become a real issue in, in the way that that nervous systems are developing and also impacting, therefore, um, the immune system um, and endocrine. And so I think the less screen time, the more nature time and really just allowing them to experience the world and unfold in their own way is the best way to say it. And so like when I think about the adrenal phase, much of it is about routine. Routine is equivalent to safety. It's like all about reminding that you're safe. So like if we think about an infant, they eat on a regular schedule, they wake up and they go to sleep at the same time, or at least we want them to, right? And so doing things in a routine, in a in a very routine regimented um, way, especially during that time says, I'm safe, I'm safe. It's just this constant reminder that there is safety. So kind of that underlying theme, right, of safety and just bringing about a really solid routine during those, that time. And then even into, you know, the emotional space of the next phase of when the emotional brain is developing with the thyroid and the gut. And we have, you know, we're starting foods, we want to introduce them to real food, whole foods, right? And then also acknowledging that they're going to be in an emotional phase, their emotional brain is developing and teaching them to self-regulate emotionally and allowing them the experience of feeling their emotions, right? I think we shut down negative emotions so quickly, but allowing the experience of of an emotion to happen and then teaching them to regulate, I think really just in those first two phases are are a couple of little things that I think would be really supportive for for kiddos in general. So thank you so much for your time. I have so loved this conversation because as I said, I just think it's so important. And so I would love for people to be able to find you. So can you tell our audience where we can learn more about your programs and where we can find you in the wide web? (laughs) Absolutely. So you can find me on my website, which is just drtaylorpagano.com. I also am on Instagram at love heal evolve. And the name of my business is evolve wellness. And do you have a somewhere we can learn about this ourselves online about how to go through this process? Yeah, I'm actually in the works of creating a, you know, self-study online program that you can do from home that incorporates, you know, all of these, all of these components for healing this first phase, the adrenal phase and working to, to heal that anxiety. Oh, beautiful. Okay. So I will put all those links in the show notes. Thank you so much. It was so lovely to meet you. Oh, thank you. All right, beautiful people. Thank you so much for listening today. If you feel so inclined, please subscribe, rate, and review this show. For show notes and more information on essential oils, please visit livelovelemon.com forward slash podcast. And we love to know what you're up to and how you're using your essential oils. So head over to Instagram and find us at the Aromatherapist Podcast. My name is Cheryl Witten, and I am your aromatherapist. We have to share with you this obligatory disclaimer. 
Information in this podcast is for educational purposes only. It is not a replacement for medical advice or for professional aromatherapy consultation. If you need medical care, please visit your physician. Speak to your primary care provider, pharmacist, and a qualified aromatherapist before commencing any programs.